We'll turn in your Bibles to Esther chapter 7. Esther chapter 7, we'll continue our study of this book. We're seeing God's providence and power and protection of His people Israel. Because in the story of Esther, basically, as a man has decided, he's going to try to wipe out every Jewish person on the face of the earth. That's the plan. Well, this morning, the focus, and we're going to see it as we go through it, this morning we're going to see the biblical truth of sowing and reaping. That what do you put in, you get out. Haman has put in evil, he's going to get out evil in judgment. In our passage this morning, we're going to see the second banquet prepared by Esther for the king and for Haman. And as we think through the portion, this portion of the Bible, let's think about uh, some issues. Let me raise some issues. First of all, the whole principle of sowing and reaping. And, that, and so both positive and negative. Sometimes we hear people say, you know, be not deceived, God is not mocked, whatever man sows, that shall he also reap. That sounds negative. But it says, he who sows of the flesh shall reap of the flesh corruption, but he who sows of the Spirit shall reap of the Spirit life. So there's a positive and a negative. If you put in bad stuff, you get out bad stuff. If you put in good stuff, you get out good stuff in that sense. So there is a principle of sowing and reaping, and we'll see that in the Bible. Then the second thing, God is in control, and that is true, and we're seeing it in this passage. We're seeing it in the whole book, and what's amazing about the book of Esther, God's never even mentioned in the book. It's never mentioned one time, but you can see him through every event. And then last but not least, we're going to talk about wise words, using wisdom when dealing with others, especially as we're going to see how Esther dealt with the king, and then we're going to talk about some other things as well. So this morning, uh, you might put it this way, we see the end of Haman, and that's, that's going to be good, and we'll see it as we go through our study this morning. I saw a movie when I was 10 years old. It was called Journey to the Center of the Earth. It wasn't the one, the remake they have now. It had Pat Boone and James Mason, okay? And I can remember, I love that story, because it was, it was well done for that day and time. Uh, and there was this man in the story who was evil. And as they were trying to go to the center of the earth, James Mason and Pat Boone, two really good guys, there was this bad man tracking them all the way. And when they got to a certain place and there was all kind of stuff there, he pulled out a gun and, and, and got the, the, the two heroes, and he had this gun on them. And he began to back up, and all the crowd, were, everybody in the movie theater is watching this, and all of a sudden the bad man falls backwards and falls into a big pile of lava. And what do you think happened in the movie theater? Everybody clapped and cheered. Some people even stood up. And we all thought, yeah, that guy got what he deserved. Well, the truth is, all of us want the bad person to get what they deserve, unless it's us. Unless, unless we don't want to get what we deserve, but we want other people to get what they deserve. Well, this morning, we're going to get a chance to cheer. And I have to tell you this. When the Jewish people, that we're going to get a lot more detail after Christmas, we'll, we'll finish up, because this, is, this passage will finish this morning, and then for the next two Sundays after that, we'll be doing Christmas messages dealing with the birth of Christ. After the new year, after everybody comes back, we'll finish the book of Esther. And you may not realize this, but there's a, there's a feast that the Jewish people celebrate every year called the Feast of Purim. It comes from this book, Pur. Remember, they cast lots. The word lot is pur. Plural for lots is Purim, and the Jews celebrate Purim. And they read the book of Esther. And I want to remind you of this, that every time they read the book of Esther, and they read it with the crowd, every time they come to the name Haman, they all boo. And every time they say the name Mordecai, they all cheer. So think about that when we're studying and reading it, that if you were all a bunch of Jewish people celebrating Purim, and I was reading the book of Esther to you, every time I would say, and the king said to Haman, boo, do this for Mordecai, yay. And that's what, that's what they do. And I'll tell you some more when we get after Christmas. I've got some more details I'd like to tell you about what they do at the feast as well. Well, this morning we're going to see God is working in this book. 
And last time, it's really the turning point of the book. We saw it last time. Haman had made this decree to destroy all the Jewish people in the Persian Empire, but God in His mercy and grace and providence begin to turn the events. And in these next chapters, we're going to see the issue sowing and reaping. It's really powerful. Haman wanted to kill all the Jews. We're going to find out that he ends up getting killed. Well, let's start. Haman had said, because Mordecai, who was Jewish, would not bow down to Haman, who was number two in the kingdom behind the king, he decided that he would kill every Jew, including Mordecai, and every Jew throughout the entire 127 provinces of the, the Persian Empire. He went to the king and told the king that there were some bad people out there that needed to be eliminated, and he would pay the money to do it. The king didn't even ask who the people were. It was the Jews, but the king didn't even know, and the king to this day doesn't even know that the decree is to kill the Jewish people. And what he doesn't know is his queen is Jewish. He doesn't know that. And so everything was signed, and so we saw last time this that they had a banquet. And the king, she came in and said, I would like to have a banquet, and I've got to ask you something. So they had the banquet, and the king said, what do you want? I'll even give it up to you to half the kingdom. And what did she do? She said, let's have another banquet. And so as she turned to, to she, she asked for a second banquet. And between the two banquets, things happened. Haman built gallows to, gallows to kill Mordecai. And remember, gallows are not like hang them high. It wasn't a rope gallow. It was a big stick stuck up, real pointed, sharp, 75 feet high. And his plan was to take Mordecai and stick him through there and stick him up on that stick. That's what gallows, that's what that word means. So he had built these gallows, these big old stick to kill Mordecai. And he was going to go ask the king to kill Mordecai. But the king couldn't sleep that night and he read the records of the city and when he read the records of the city he found that Mordecai had saved his life and was never rewarded and so what happened is the king made and I think the next slide the king made Haman honor Mordecai and it was very embarrassing and so now we're ready for the second banquet now let's picture that you're Haman you don't want to be Haman but you're picturing Haman you've had a really bad day so far you woke up with the plans of going to see the king to have this man you hate killed. And when you walked in there, the king told you to go honor him. And you did. And you're so embarrassed and you're so mad and you're so hurt. But you've got a good day coming because the queen invited you and the king to a banquet. And this is the second day in a row and you're the only person she invited. So as you're about to go to the banquet, you think things are going to get a lot better. That's the plan. Well, let's see what happens. Let's break down the passage for you. Let me show you what we got. We got the king. They come into the banquet. The king asks the questions, what do you want? And Esther tells the answer, and she accuses Haman. And then we see the whole reaction. We call it anger, fear, and deaths. So let's see what happens. Now, let me tell you about the reversal. Haman made gallows, and he wanted to have Mordecai killed, but the king wanted to honor Mordecai. Haman had been a man of pride, but now he's all upset. Mordecai had been mourning, now he's honored. So everything is beginning to change. Look at chapter 7. Look at verse 1. Now the king and Haman came to drink wine with Esther the queen. And the king said to Esther on the second day as they drank their wine at the banquet, What is your petition, Queen Esther? It shall be granted you. What's your request? Even to half of the kingdom it shall be done. Now this is the second day, back-to-back -back days of the banquet. The king is unaware of a number of things. Look at this. He does not know his queen is Jewish. He does not know that there's a decree out there that will kill her. And he does not know that Haman is evil and is an enemy. He thinks Haman is his friend. He doesn't even know who the decree is to kill. And he doesn't have any idea that his queen, Esther, is Jewish and she's supposed to get killed under the decree. So the king says, what's your, what's your request? 
He knows it has to be important because she risked her life to come see him. If you remember, you didn't go in and see the king unless he called for you. If you went in to see the king and he didn't put down his scepter, you would be killed. And she came in to see him. He put down the scepter. He knows that she's got something big on her mind. Now, who do we go to when we have something big on our mind? Or let me put it this way. Who do we go to when we got something little on our mind? Who do we go to when we got anything on our mind? Be anxious for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. You can come to God anytime, anyplace, anywhere about anything. There's no such thing as something big to God. There's no such thing as something little to God. They're all the same to God. He can do anything. First Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your cares upon Him because He cares for you. In our lives, as we go through day after day after day, there's issues and things that come up and go down. And where do we go to? We take them all to our Savior, all to our great God and Savior. So watch what happens. He says, Esther, what do you need? Even if it's up to half the kingdom, that's, way him, that's him saying, I'll do whatever you need. Then Queen Esther replied, If I found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given me as my petition and my people is my request. Now, it's, I guarantee you, it was strange to him when she looks at him and said, if it's, if it's pleasing to you, O king, would you spare my life and my people's life? You know what? I, he doesn't even know what she's talking about. He's probably looking at her and going, what are you talking about? What do you mean spare your life? Look what she says. For we have been sold. Now, let me tell you, Haman doesn't know what she's talking about at first. He may be about to catch on because he has no idea that the queen is Jewish and he has wants all the Jewish people dead. He's the one that put out the, the, the petition and all of that, the decree. And here's what she says, for we have been sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be killed, to be annihilated. Now, if, it only, if we'd only been sold to be slaves, men and women, I, I wouldn't even have, I would have remained silent. For the trouble would not be commensurate with annoyance to the king. Now, what she says is this. King, listen, if it pleases you, would you save my life and my people's life? For we were sold. If you remember, who gave the money? Haman paid the money to have them get... He paid it to the king's treasury. So in a sense, she's saying, we got sold to be killed. You're the one that got the money, king. We have been sold. And my people. And we're going to be destroyed. And... Uh, you know, she's, she's, let's, let's say this. Do you, how is he going to respond to this? She has no idea. What if he looked at her and said, listen, I've already had one king, one queen, and you're another queen. I got all kind of people I can pick for queens. I don't really care about queens. And I don't really care about you. He could say that, couldn't he? She has no idea how he's going to respond. Historically, Xerxes, that's his name, we, we, his non-biblical name is Xerxes, his biblical name is Ahasuerus. He's known to be, to be a man of great anger. I mean, how, what kind of king is it that sits on the throne, and if you come in to see him, and if he doesn't put down his scepter, they cut you into two, you know? He's known as a king, man of anger. So what's going to happen when she says, King, save my life and my people, and he may look at her and go, No, I don't even know what you're talking about, and I don't care. She's risking her life again. Let me ask you something. What is important to you that you would risk your life? Your family? Some of your friends? Would you risk your life 
to stand for Jesus Christ. In our country, we don't worry about that very much. But in other parts of the world, there are people who stand for Jesus Christ and they risk their lives. Are you willing to give your life in service? See, sometimes people say, well, I, I might die for Christ. I would say this, Christ is not asking you to die for him. He's asking you to live for him. Would you live for him? Would you offer your life as a living sacrifice to say to God, I will go wherever you want me to go, and I'll do anything you want me to do. I will live for you. What's important to you? What will you give your life for? She says, if I've found favor, if there's any way, two things. May my life be given to me and my people also. She's actually saying this. Save my life and my people. And she goes on to explain, as we said a while ago, they've been sold to be destroyed, killed, and annihilated. And let me tell you something. She says those words on purpose. You know why? Those are the words found in the decree. Listen, she uses destroyed, killed, and annihilated. These are the same words used in the decree. If you go back to chapter 3, verse 13, and you read the decree, the decree was to destroy, kill, annihilate all Jewish people in all 127 provinces. She uses those words. Let me tell you something. You know who just woke up? Haman just woke up. He just went, what? He says, I, I remember those words. I'm the one that wrote them. And he's now putting together that the queen is... Jewish. Now guess who doesn't know that the queen's Jewish? The king still doesn't know what, he's, what she's talking about. He doesn't have a clue. Haman does. Haman knows I'm the one that wrote the decree. I'm the one that wants to kill all the Jews. And I'm finding out at this banquet that the queen is Jewish. King still doesn't know because he doesn't know the people that's going to be destroyed. Remember, he never even found out who they were. You can almost see Haman going, she couldn't be Jewish. She couldn't be Jewish. I love what she says. She says, we've been sold to be destroyed, to be killed and annihilated. Then she says this, you know, if only we'd been sold as slaves, I wouldn't have bothered you with it. See, if only we were going to be slaves, it wouldn't be enough to bother the king. Because you're so important, us going under slavery is no big deal. But being killed and everything, I thought it might be something to talk about. <laughs> you can see Haman thinking, I haven't tried to kill the queen. I've only tried to kill the... Oh, no, she's Jewish. Notice how she brings her request. I want you to think about it. She shows great wisdom. She didn't come in there and make any charges and all this stuff. She just says, Oh, king, would you mind doing something for me? If, if we were going to be slaves, I wouldn't care. But would you mind saving my life and my people's life? She's wise. How do we go into this world? Do we have wisdom? When we want to talk to people about Jesus Christ, how do we do it? Do we use wisdom? 1 Peter 3.15 says, Be ready to give an answer to everyone for the hope that is within us with meekness and what? Gentleness. When we talk to people about Christ, we're not running them off. We're trying to bring them to Christ. We're trying to show them love. I want to show you something. I want you to hold your place right there, and I want you to turn to 2 Timothy. Okay, it's toward the back of your Bible. Just flip over almost to the back of the Bible. To, there's First and Second Timothy and Titus, and then Hebrews, and there's Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians and First and Second Thessalonians. Then there's, I want you to go to 2 Timothy. Chapter 2. Verses 24 through 26. I just want you to see how Paul says to deal with people. 
Do you talk to people who do not believe what you believe? Do you talk to people who say salvation is much more than faith in Christ? Do you talk to people who say, I don't even believe in God? Do you talk to people who say, I don't really believe the Bible? How do you deal with people who are contrary to us? We have to use wisdom. Look what Paul says, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24. He says, the Lord's bondservant, the Lord's servants, must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps maybe God may grant them change of mind, repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. He says, listen, do everything you can when you talk to people. Be able to teach. Be patient when wrong. Have gentleness when correcting those. But you don't say, you're bad wrong and you're going to hell. But you say, let me show you what the Scripture says. And let me show you how it fits. And love them. Because the key is love. Look what he says. Be patient, kind, gentle. That's how we deal with people. Go back to Esther. I want you to see. just wanted you to see that. Back to Esther chapter 7. And we see her wisdom and how she's dealing with the king. She just didn't come into the king and say, Hey, I need some help and I needed help right now. And this man's a bad man. She didn't even say that. She said, If you would be willing to help me, here's what I need. Here's the king's reply. Verse 5. Then King Ahasuerus asked Queen Esther, Who is he and where is he who would presume to do thus? He doesn't even know what she's talking about. You say, You're going to be killed and your people. Who is doing this? Where is this person? What is going on? He's never put it together. But who has? Tell me who's put it together. Haman's put it together. He's sitting at that table and going, uh, I'm having a bad day. You know what? It started off bad and it's not getting any better. So look at verse 6. Then Esther said, A foe and an enemy is wicked, Haman. Then the king, then Haman became terrified before the king and queen. And so she just flat out says, He's wicked. He's an adversary. He's an enemy. Haman is known throughout all history from this point on as the enemy of the Jews. In Genesis chapter 12, God told Abraham, I will bless those that bless you, and I will curse those that curse you. That's his people. This is his people. This is his people that Haman has tried to destroy. I can guarantee you that he will not get away with it. And we're seeing the whole principle of sowing and reaping. He's put the queen under the sentence of death, and all of a sudden Haman realized, oh no, what is going on? And so King Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther, who is he, and where does, who is he to presume such a thing? And Esther said, a foe, an enemy, is wicked, Haman. Look how she says it, this wicked Haman. Haman became terrified before the king and queen. Watch what the king did, or does. The king rose in his anger from drinking wine and went into the palace garden. But Haman stayed to beg for his life for Queen Esther, for he saw that harm had been determined to him by the king. Can you see the king when he realizes he's put it together? Wait a minute. This is the guy with the decree that wanted the decree, and he gave me the money, and I told him to write the decree, and he could write anything he wanted to, and the people that, the people he's going to destroy is my queen and her people. And he gets up, and he's so angry. Now, he, 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 could he have killed Haman right then? Think about this. Let's, let's think about why he's angry. Look. He's angry for getting himself in this mess. He's the one who allowed the decree without checking it out. Who's, whose name signed the decree? His did. Listen, at, he, how could he, he's angry at Haman. How could he execute Haman for carrying out orders signed by his ring? 
He's saying, this is ridiculous. And for making a fool of himself, for trusting Haman and giving him so much influence. You can see me out in that, just going outside, out into the garden and going, how could I have been so stupid? Why did I trust that man? I gave him my ring. He told me about a people. I said, I don't care. How could I not care? What was I thinking? Meanwhile, what did Haman do? He stayed to beg for his life. He saw harm had been determined by the king. He realized his days are numbered. He realized this bad day is not only a bad day, it's probably going to be the last day. And what a reversal. Did, Mike, did the mic just go off? Okay, I thought it did. He has hated Mordecai and the Jews, uh, and now they're going to be honored, and he's going to die. Let me say something. Don't ever say what you're not going to do. Okay, just remember that. Don't say, I'm never going to do that, because you never know. You know what? Think about this. You think Haman never said, I will never honor Mordecai? He did. Do you think he would ever say, I will never beg a Jewish woman for my life? That's what he's doing. So be careful when you say, I ain't never going to do that. You don't ever know. That just might open the door to do it. Well, the king's going to come back. Now the king returned from the palace garden, uh, from the palace garden into the place where they were drinking wine. Haman was falling on the couch where Esther was. When the king said, Will he even assault the queen with me in the house? And the word went out. As the word went out of king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Now let me tell you, when they ate, it, they didn't sit in chairs. They usually reclined on couches. In this culture, Jewish people were on the floor. Little tables on the floor. These people were on couches. And Queen Esther's on a couch, and when he left... Haman jumps on the edge of the couch, and actually when this word says falling on the couch, it literally says grabbing the, le the legs, the feet. He was grabbing her feet, basically saying, oh, please save my life, oh, please save my life. And when the king walked back in, he said, what do you think you're doing? You assaulting the queen while I'm here? And what did he say? As he said that, you're assaulting the queen, what did the guards do? It says they covered Haman's face. He said, you're assaulting the queen? What does it mean, cover the face? Some people, when some people read this, they say it meant that Haman was embarrassed. No, I don't think so. I think a guard went up there and put something right over his head because, see, that's what they did for you. Cut your head off is they covered it up, and then they cut your head off. Remember? You've seen those things. They covered his face. When, when you got your face covered, you were pretty much in trouble, right? Okay? And that's what he did. And the word went out. And what we're seeing is the proud. How about this? Proverbs 16.5 The proud will not go unpunished. What did it look like when the king came back in? It looked like that Haman was assaulting the queen. And he wasn't. He was begging for his life. But one thing for sure for believers, be careful how we live and what we do. The Bible says give no appearance of evil. So be careful. Well, watch what happens, because I love this. I love this part right here. I know it's kind of bad to love it, but I do love this. Watch. Then Harbona, one of the eunuchs who was before the king, said, Behold, indeed, the gallows standing at Haman's house, 50 cubits high, that's 75 feet, which Haman made for Mordecai, who spoke good on behalf of the king. And the king said, Hang him on it. They've got Haman. They're holding him. And Harbona goes, By the way, king... 
He's got some gallows at his house that he was planning to kill Mordecai, who is your friend who said good things about you. He was planning to kill Mordecai on the top of that thing. And the king says, put him on it. And that's exactly what happened. Hang him on it. So they hanged Haman on the gallows, which he had prepared for Mordecai, and the king's anger subsided. They hanged him on the gallows, right? We see the principle of sowing and reaping. The Bible says that whatever you sow, that shall you also reap. Galatians 6, 7, Be not deceived, God is not might. What a man sows, that shall he also reap. It says, He who sows of the flesh will reap of the flesh. Corruption, he who sows of the Spirit will reap of the Spirit. Life eternal. Have you ever thought about the sowing and reaping found in the Bible? Think about this. Jacob. Jacob uh, tricked his brother Esau and his father. And then when he went to live with Laban, Laban tricked him. Paul was there and helped with the stoning of Stephen. Later on, on the second missionary journey, Paul was stoned. Pharaoh. Pharaoh drowned all the Hebrew boys. What happened to Pharaoh's army? Drowned. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. What a man sows, that shall he also reap. This principle, sow to the Spirit, you reap the fruit of the Spirit. You sow to the flesh, you reap sin and death. Whatever you put in, that's what you get out. That's why be careful what you put in your brain, because that's what's coming out. Be careful where you go and what you do. Be careful what you think. Be careful what you eat. Be careful what you, be careful what you put in. Be careful how you live. Do you live in the power of the Holy Spirit? You're going to reap the fruit of the Spirit. You live in the flesh, you're going to reap the flesh, which is sin and death. So when we think of sowing and reaping, there's a positive side. You live righteously in godliness, present age. One day, Jesus Christ will say, well done, good, and faithful servant. Well, we could stop right here and go, yay, what a, yay, this is so good. It's not that good. You know why? The decree's still in effect. Just because Haman's dead doesn't stop the decree. The laws of the Medes and Persians, what? Can't be changed. The decree is still in effect on the 13th day of the 12th month. Every Jewish person in 127 provinces is to be put to death. That law can't be changed. By the way, this is about the third month, so they've still got about nine months to go. So what's going to happen? Well, we're going to have Christmas and some messages and New Year's, and then we'll come back and we'll chapter 8, and we'll see how in the world are they going to solve the problem. So Esther and Xerxes, or Esther and Ahasuerus and uh, Haman, they all came for the second banquet, and Esther asked for her life and her people, and Ahasuerus realized that Haman was the bad one, and Haman begged for his life, but when the king came in, what he thought would look bad, and so they hanged him on the 75-foot gallows. Big stick. So let's think of some applications. Realize the principle of sowing and reaping. We reap what we sow. is both positive and negative, and how we live makes a difference. We reap whatever we sow, as Galatians 6, 7 says, and be not deceived, God is not mocked. And think about it. You sow to the flesh, you reap sin and death. You sow to the Spirit, you reap through the Spirit. That's the bottom line. You reap life. And that means our attitude and our actions are what we read, what we see, where we go, what we do, what we put in to our lives. That's why one of the Proverbs says, guard your hearts. And it's talking about your minds. It's the wellspring of your life. Guard what's coming into your life. Guard where you're going and what you're doing and what you're seeing and what you're thinking. We want to live in such a way that Jesus Christ says, well done. Second, now in your bulletin, uh, it's, it's going to say the blanks are God is 
sovereign and he's in control. But I wanted to put this one up there at the top where it says trusting God's sovereignty because God is sovereign and he's in control. And I just want you to realize that God is working. We don't always see it. In fact, sometimes we, never, we may never see it on this side until we're with the Lord. So there are things that he's working. And in this book of Esther, what is so amazing, there were a lot of people who actually said, book of Esther shouldn't be in the scripture. And you say, why? And they say, because God's never mentioned in the book. He's there. You just don't have his name. He's there. Think of what God was doing. Haman wanted to kill Mordecai. Haman was killed. Haman wanted to dishonor Mordecai. Mordecai was honored. Mordecai wasn't rewarded at a certain time. Then he was rewarded at the perfect time. The feast that Haman thought would honor him actually dishonored him. The gallows made for Mordecai were used on Haman. God is in control. And that takes us to the last thing. Be wise in how we live. Be wise. But the way Esther was wise and how she presented things, we want to be wise. And I think two things. First of all, wise in our words. When we talk about sharing our faith and, and the gospel and talking to people, we want to be ready to give an answer. But we want to be wise. We want to know the Bible. We want to know the message. We want to know people. We want to love people. We want to reach out in a wise way to talk to people about Jesus Christ. But the second thing is be wise in our actions. Give no appearance of evil. I mean, let's face it. Haman looked bad when the king walked back in. The king said, you're assaulting the queen? Now, maybe he wasn't. Maybe, maybe the king didn't think that, and that was going to be his good excuse to get rid of this guy. But something didn't look right. And so in our lives, let's don't live where people look at us and say, something doesn't look right. Let's live in such a way that we bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ. So may we trust God in the events of our lives wisely before the world so that we can have a positive effect and bring people to Christ and one day hear Jesus Christ say, well done, good and faithful servant.